Greetings and welcome to the Asian American and Asian Research Institute's final lecture series, uh, hybrid edition. Uh, thank all of you folks for coming out to this uh, interesting talk tonight. Uh, beautiful Friday, spring, almost spring, technically, but beautiful uh, evening uh, to hear our guest uh, all the way from the West Coast tonight. Uh, for folks at home, welcome uh, from online. Just 30 plus guests right now watching you. Uh, I'm Anthony Wong, Program Coordinator of the Institute. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight for the, uh, tonight's book talk on Passing for Perfect College Imposters and Other Model Minorities, Professor Erin Quinn-Nin, uh, which considers the factors that drove college imposters to extreme lengths to appear successful. Erin Quinn-Nin is an Associate Professor of Asian American Studies at the University of California, Santa Barbara. Uh, she is the author of in Gratitude, Debt-Bound Daughter in Asian-American Literature, uh, which won the Literary Studies Book Award from the Association for Asian-American Studies in 2013. Uh, her research centers on the model minority not as a myth, but as a racialization and identity. Uh, through lines in her writing and teaching are the subtleties of power, harm, and subject formation, whether in the context of terror and war, of family and immigration, or of gendering and rape culture. Uh, please welcome Professor Nin. Thank you for the Research Institute for having me. Thank you to everyone who is here. I am so excited to see you in person. Aside from the formal Q&A at the end, I do have an activity to start us off. Um, before I explain anything, I'm going to show you some images. And what I'd like you to do is to pay close attention to how you respond to them. What do they trigger? or spike emotionally or cognitively, um, what words, what bodily sensations? Um, do you hear eh, somebody's voice speaking or does the memory get jogged? So this can be positive or negative, one reaction or mix, whatever it is. Um, just note it for yourself, either if, you know at home, um, on paper, or if you know the Q&A function, that would be terrific. As Anthony mentioned, I am from California, and uh, but I used to come to New York City a lot. I know I wasn't this nervous the last time I was here on subway platforms or walking down the street. And um, I am sorry for all the epicenter that you've been these last two years, and also for all the talk that I'm sure you've needed to uh, sit through or the work you've needed to do around um, anti-Asian violence. But I, I want to start by taking a long, hard look at the typical response we roll out in the media or in Asian American studies at times like these. So the buzzword is model minority, right? Asian American academics and activists, we're like a task force for explaining what is a model minority and also it is a myth. If you read or listened to more than one of these explanations of the model minority, you may have noticed how uniform they are. And that's not necessarily a good thing. All the well-meaning people use the same talking points about the model minority, but strong consensus is only helpful if what we agree to say is true. Otherwise, what we have is a situation, what scientists call reliability without validity, where your measurements may yield the same results time and again, so there is strong agreement across takes, 
or even across researchers, right? But where the methods you're using are not necessarily so great. Like you've all agreed to measure a thing's area because you like the results you get when you measure its area. But you also tend not to measure its weight even though without that data, you may be misrepresenting how hard the thing is to carry. So we may have a chorus of people saying, the model minority is nothing, it's a boogeyman, when they're only directing us to look at half of the story. Here's the half that you hear from ethnic studies. But the term model minority was coined in 1966 in the face of pitch protests against U.S. institutions, from police to education, from laws to banks to workplaces as being racist, uh, sexist, homophobic, economically exploitative, and profoundly unjust. That the game of life in America is rigged against stigmatized groups, and the rules need to be changed fundamentally. This is exactly when Asian Americans were given the title of the good minorities, the uncomplaining hard workers, believers in meritocracy, who can make it on their own and thereby exonerate the system. Look at these shining overachievers. Model minority success is said to prove there's nothing wrong with the rules or the game being played. It's used to say that people who fail don't deserve better support. They just didn't work hard enough. Losers are worthless. Just yell at them. Stop freeloading. Earn your keep. So this racial role as a buffer between the conservative establishment and people who demand to change it, this is model minority racialization. And to be clear, this half of the story is historically true. White-dominated press, universities, politicians wrote up that casting call and they have been recruiting for it ever since. But a casting call is only useful if people show up for it. And in the case of the model minority, people do. Because you know that thing about uncom being uncomplaining overachievers. There are two parts to it. Uncomplaining is a code of conduct and a worldview. Only overachiever, maybe, is census data. So let's look at the census data. Because when people argue that the model minority is a myth, their go-to phrase is usually, disaggregate the data. Here's what they'll say. Taken as a whole, Asians look to be doing better than everyone else in the US overall, whether in terms of the percentages attaining higher education or higher incomes. But so the argument goes. Break us out by ethnicity, and you'll see that for many Asian Americans, that percentage is very misleading. They are not outperforming other racial groups at all. Ergo, model minority myth busted. Is it really, though? What about these groups up here? The green arrow, uh, whose numbers actually do outperform the national averages. Are they busted myths too? Or are we just not supposed to talk about them? So there's some sleight of hand going on, some misdirection when people present the demographic data and say, look down here, nothing to see up there. This is especially questionable when you realize that the last four ethnic groups put together 
Hmong to Bhutanese as a subtotal. They only amount to about 4% of the Asian American population. Burmese up next are less than 1%, um, Vietnamese less than 9%. So that's about 14% of the aggregates who do not outperform whites by ethnicity, 4% who do not outperform blacks on average. Is it meaningful and important to disaggregate the data? Yes, so that resources can best go where resources are most needed. But on the basis of this disaggregation, is it a straight answer we're giving to call something 80% applicable a myth? I don't think so, and I don't think it's constructive to rely on that level of misrepresentation. 